Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Anna makes fun of me for saying you know, because apparently I, I say, say you know, you know at the another, end of a lot of sentences. It's another vocal pause. Is there some weird linguistic term for that? What, you mean a vocal pause? I figure there might be. Are you looking for something more complicated? Yeah, like frigative. No, that's just the type of sound. That's phonetics. Oh, okay. I found it really funny, uh, but also a little bit of a joke killer when I was making a joke on Twitter about how you have to have a, a glottal stop symbol in your password, and then someone's like, you mean like this? Yep. And then apparently there's this entire phonetic alphabet, which is weird and cool, but also it is weird killed cool. my joke. It did kill your joke, though. I'm sorry. Martin, will you help send my cat to ninja school? Arwen? Yeah. She's not cut out for ninja school, dude. <laughs> That's true. She's a That's very not gonna work. She's a very lazy cat. She's not quiet. Enough. Her only ninja skill consists of hiding under a cardboard slab. Hey, that it's a start. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> That's potential. the only defense for her I got. She's going to be like the kung fu panda of cats then. Yes. I mean, yes. I know kung fu ninjas aren't the same, but it's going to be equivalently like accidentally good. Like she'll just Ooh. flop into stuff. You know how sometimes like one movie studio will kind of like rip another movie studio off? Oh, yeah. Like how whatever I think it was the Universal or some other company. They made the wild after. Um, oh, man, I'm totally blanking. What's that movie with the with the lemurs or the meerkats or whatever? Madagascar. The, yeah, Madagascar. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, yeah, they made Madagascar. And then I think it was Universal. They made the wild, which wasn't nearly as good. Yeah. And like Frozen has a blatant ripoff that came out like three seconds after. And Wait, was it on does? Store shelves. I don't remember what it was called. It was something stupid like Snow Queen or some blatant. Was it like it was Frosty? It was. Well, I think that one's already <laughs> Frosty taken. Frosty Princess? I think that one's taken. <laughs> nah. But yeah, I don't know yeah, what that they, is. They got I don't blatant think it's ripoffs. Taken. They happen. It's true. Well, it seems like it, it happens a lot. Sometimes they do it well. I remember when Finding Nemo came out, Shark Tale came out like right after that, and Shark Tale was actually I don't hate that movie. Pretty decent. I mean, it's not. It's got some parts I like. It's not Finding it's Nemo movie. good, but it's it, good. It is not Finding Nemo, but it is Shark Tale. Yeah, and then uh, I feel like there was one like when Armageddon came out. There was another one that was like a really similar, like similar. I wonder if there's a list of these because that would be pretty cool. So that you could like rebel against the mainstream and watch a bunch of really bad versions <laughs> of things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Armageddon and Deep Impact. That's what it was. I only watched Deep the Impact. D-rated equivalents for any given movie. Oh, yeah. The Prestige and The Illusionist. Those two came out like right around the same time. Both of those are very good. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't think I really like both of those movies. So I remember um, neither one of them is bad. A Bug's Life and Ants came out around the same time. But there's actually like a lot of a story uh, behind that and a lot of beef. I love because I, I think somebody who worked at Pixar maybe quit. There's like, there's a lot of beef and I can't remember the whole story, but there's like people who would refuse to see ants uh, because like in real life. All, yeah. I, like in I real life. I don't see these. I don't see these ants. You can't see me. Yeah. But apparently it's called twin movies and 
There's a there is yeah. There's like a whole list here on uh, Wikipedia of That's a ton cool. of them here. I kind of really want to read that now. So I there's kinda really because those two qualifiers don't negate each other. I remember this one: White House Down and uh, Olympus Has Fallen, or like they were like the same freaking movies. Um, this is the end of the world's end. I'm, I kept well, getting those confused when those I came out. I don't know what this is the end is. But the, the world's, world's end, end is, really is one of my favorite movies. And so that's the one with Simon Pegg. And the movie's brilliant. The, yeah, that movie's great. Just go see it. I don't want to talk about it because whoever hasn't seen it needs to go see it. That movie is on my top of my boat list. Yeah. But this is the end. It's also a pretty good movie. It's the one about, um, I think it's like Seth Rogen movie, I think. Let me, yeah, it's Wait. like Seth Rogen, Jonah Hill, James Franco. It's like end of the world movie. Oh, I think um, I know. I think I have seen Michael Sarah dies yes. in it. Yes, I think I've seen parts. Oh, of and that. then like Hermione's in it. Hermione. Not- <laughs> Emma Watson has a real name. Okay. Yeah, but they call her Hermione in that movie. Yeah, well, so. she's gonna be Belle soon, so you can't. Just oh yeah, call that's her true. Pacific Rim and Godzilla, though Godzilla was the next year. Hercules and the Legend of Hercules. Wait, what? Uh, I they made two that. Hercules movies in 2014. So the Rock, Whoa, these the are Rock was in Hercules. Neither of these are the cartoon. And then the so. Legend of Hercules. Well, I don't care about either. Look like I don't even know who. It has a bunch of like actors that I haven't heard of. Kellen Lutz. Lutz. I guess he was in Tarzan and Twilight, which is why I don't hey, know who he is. Hey, Kellen Lutz. I'm really sorry if you listen to this podcast and Tom's out here making you feel bad, but I'm sure it was a great movie. He probably already feels bad having to go up against The Rock. Either that or maybe the fact that there were two of those Hercules movies actually helped him out. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, man. This is all these these cool things, though. Anyway, we got questions, and this is not a movie podcast, so... Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're not just talking about movies. Cut. Chit-chat. Because we got some stuff to talk about. Mm. and um, Ready. And then I have some other preparations to do before the switch comes out oh yeah which i mean when people are listening to this the switch will already be out and yeah if we'll you're see how far this, i am i've loved the switch already yep i already I love it guarantee it don't even have to hedge my bets gonna love it uh, i'm pretty excited though yep and i'm going to break character because i have actually pre-ordered the new zelda game good so and good i call. might play some wind wickers tonight number one college tip Pre-order the new Zelda. <laughs> Pre-order Zelda. And the Switch. <laughs> Reggie fils is like in the back corner just like making sure we say. If Reggie fils was in here, I'll say whatever he wants me to say. I don't care. That's true. We should get Rezi- Reggie fils on the podcast. He's my spirit animal. He's oh my, my gosh. Patronus. Do you think we could do that? Expecto Patronum. Do you think There's we can get Reggie on the podcast? Reggie right there. The only reason I'm saying this is because Pro Jared interviewed Reggie on his channel. So clearly Reggie is open to doing interviews to promote the switch and we're not a gaming podcast i mean the whole episode would just be like i could i could talk to reggie about business and about like how to succeed and then he could just be like why not you don't want to be on it you don't want to talk to reggie 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 hey reggie i'm reggie 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 Reggie. i love you (laughs) he's just gonna leave please acknowledge me please um, no, I want to get Reggie on the podcast now. Can you set that up? I'll work on Make it. Make it up for that. Yeah, we're going to get Reggie Fizeme on the podcast. Anyway, we're let's hang out with him. Let's get yeah, to anyways, these questions. This isn't a game podcast either, <laughs> this, it turns this out. It's is neither. derailing fast. It is neither of those topics. All right. College uh, questions. So this is a, this, this first question is actually pretty relevant because I was feeling quite lethargic uh, about 20 minutes ago, and I think you were too. Oh, yeah. And we recorded an episode before this, and I can tell you I felt significantly more tired 
and more groggy than I do now. Yeah, I feel a lot more awake, actually. It's kind of weird. So here's the question. I know that a lot of caffeine is the norm for students, but uh, even though I use green tea as my caffeine source, nice. I'm not proud of having to drink three liters of tea just to stay uh, almost focused nine hours a day. That's a lot. Shouldn't a good night's sleep be enough? Three liters? Question mark. That seems like a lot. Maybe it's not, but it seems like a lot to me. Three liters of tea is a lot. That's a lot. That is That's like almost 100 ounces of tea. I think, or no, how much is in a liter? 35 ounces? I don't know. I was trying to make no, it wait, 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 wait. into cups. Ounces in a liter. I, know I gotta know. These things, the imperial measurement system has broken my ability to know how to measure yeah. things. For One good. liter is 33 ounces. So that's like 100 ounces that's of water. A, that's a lot of tea. I mean, green tea is dope. Good job. But, and uh, how many ounces are in a gallon? 128. So this person is drinking a gallon of tea. Like 28 ounces shy of a gallon of green tea a day. Wow. And they're still Alive. tired. So, and, and going from the context, this person seems to be getting a good night's sleep. Now, I'm not sure what their conception of a good night's sleep is. Maybe they think like five hours and a gallon of tea is enough. <laughs> it is for um, a while. But, you know, I'll just say right, right now, the reason that I don't feel tired is because I just went out and did like a mile walk with my girlfriend. Outside, getting some exercise. And if you're not exercising every day, even like low level, like go for a walk exercise and you find yourself tired and lethargic, especially in the afternoons, go do that. Yeah. And you just went yeah, and did the, did same, the thing. same thing. I feel much better now just from being outside for a few minutes. Yeah. I feel way better. Sitting in one room forever. Not that great. Mm -hmm. So what I've been doing um, as my kind of like my schedule right now is I'll wake up at six. I'll do my morning routine, which is like meditate, do some pushups and sit ups. Uh, go to Starbucks, read for 20 minutes, do some work, and then I go to the gym Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and either like Tuesday, Thursdays, I'm trying to get like a run in or at least a walk, maybe like rollerblading when it gets warmer. Just like get yourself outside or in the gym or doing some sort of physical thing every single day, and you're going to deal with those lethargic feelings a lot less. I mean, here's the thing, guys. Like when you're in college, it's it can feel like your function as a life form is to remain stationary and just use your brain all day. But that's not what your body was evolved to do. Yeah. So take, like if take you're a Hapkido class. Yeah. Take a Hapkido I did class. that. That was pretty cool. How many, how long did you do that for? Like half a semester until I burned out because I was taking a whole bunch of classes. Oh yeah. Whoops. I did Hapkido. But it was really fun while I did it. I did, I did it once and I, Maybe it was because my dad forced me to do judo and jujitsu and wrestling and boxing and everything when I was a kid, but I, I didn't enjoy it as much. And maybe I just don't enjoy the combat sports quite as much as I enjoy like figure skating and skateboarding and things that involve momentum and tricks and finesse and things like that. But yeah, do, you know, do Hapkido or do parkour class. I just found out there's a parkour gym in Denver, dude. That's cool. Yeah. Um, what was it called? Maybe we have Apex Movement Denver. If we have anybody who lives in Denver, like, you want to hang out with me? I'm going to be here when we move. That this place cool. is sick. Like, I saw the pictures on Google Maps. It's so cool looking. There's, like, bars in there. There's platforms. Let's move the monitor, actually. That's the nice thing about it. Look at this um, thing. Look at that place. It's amazing. I they actually knew that I needed to get in shape and fix my... Apex broken body before Denver, but now I need to do it even faster. Yeah, I know, right? They don't have enough pictures on their website, so I'm just gonna go show you. Look at this place. It's like that's really cool. 
This is like literally my idea of heaven right there. That's there's really boxes cool. Boxes and there's a foam pit you can do front flips in. There's all these bars to do trapeze stuff. I don't even know. Okay. That's but, where we're going to be doing most of our work yeah. from oh, now on. Oh, I am, I am 100% going to be there hanging from, when we move. Hanging from uh, one of those bars, typing yeah. on something. But I mean, you know, you know, long story short, that is that is what your body is built to do. And if you're not doing at least a little bit of that every day, you're going to feel tired because your body's like, what do I do with all these calories and all this sugar and all these hormones? I sit here and stew and then, you know, eventually just like flushes it down. And obviously this isn't a super scientific explanation of how your body utilizes yeah. resources, but it is built to move. So move and you will feel good. Yeah. Um, now. If you do happen to drink a lot of caffeine, now there's there's not as much caffeine in green tea as coffee. I not think it's as like, much, but I think it's like a quarter of level, the amount. You're still yeah. doing quite a bit. But if you're drinking a gallon of three of green tea, I mean, let's see here, caffeine. I think, I think a cup of green tea is green like tea. four or five of those is a cup of coffee or something like that. Last uh, time I something but like of that. That's an average. It's not legit. So we got 25 milligrams exact of caffeine math. in an eight ounce cup. You know. So like a hundred divided by eight is twelve and a half, and then you times that by twenty-five. This person's taking in three hundred and twelve milligrams of caffeine a day. Now that isn't like an obscene amount, but that that's enough to where you're getting to the point where you might be like getting used to how that many, level. How many cups of coffee do we get there? How many cups of coffee would that yeah, be? Yeah, equivalent. Um, I think there's like I think people I think, are better at measuring caffeine and coffee because we all inherently know that it's a very caffeinated. I want to say there's ninety-five milligrams in an eighth ounce. Oh, so nice. that's like drinking three cups of coffee a day, three and a half, uh, which is a lot, you know, okay. that's a lot of caffeine. Okay. Uh, and I'm not going to like stand in a high horse now because I probably take in about 300-ish milligrams of caffeine per day. That is probably true. Because uh, I, I usually have like, I'll have like one or two lattes from Starbucks a day and some days I'll like do a cup of coffee at home instead of one of those lattes, but I, I one to two at least, or at most, but at least one happens every day. Yeah. So... Uh, the thing about caffeine is like, I think there's like a, the caffeine molecule like fits into the adenosine receptors yep. in your brain, which is like, it can actually, um, it like tricks your body into thinking that it's not sleepy because it blocks the same receptors that sleep hormones go in. Uh, but the thing is like, as those get blocked up, I believe that like more open up. So you end up needing more and more caffeine to keep getting the same stimulant effect. Yeah. So if you drink a ton of caffeine and then you're not keeping up on all your other health tasks, um, it's just a downward spiral, man. Yeah. And that stuff stays in your body for like six to eight hours. So it could be that you're secretly not getting a good night's sleep and you just didn't know. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. Uh, and if anyone didn't watch the sleep video, if you're drinking caffeine, even like six hours before bedtime, it's been shown scientifically to disrupt your sleep. Yeah. So if you do drink caffeine, do it in the morning or at least early afternoon and then stop well before your bedtime. That way you're not messing with your sleep through stimulants. Uh, and hopefully that helps. But really just like, yeah, I mean, look at your health fundamentals whenever you have a problem like this. Am I exercising regularly? Am I getting enough sleep, getting good sleep, sleeping consistently on a consistent schedule? Is there another diet problem? Like, are you eating like 90,000 snack cakes a day? Because that's probably why you're not that focused. Mm -hmm. But we don't know that from the question. But you got to think about these things. Yeah, always think about um, the health fundamentals, you know. And I actually, I made a little thing for myself in Evernote the other day. Because I was like trying to kind of 
map out like everything I should be doing for my health. So I put for sleep, get at least seven hours and 30 minutes, go to bed and wake up at a consistent time. And as like a subtask there, turn off my computer at 9 p.m. Because my computer is like, my computer is the thing that keeps me up later than I should be. Because I'll go stare at YouTube stats or I'll convince myself to do a little bit of work. But if it's off, I can't do that. And I almost never stay up too late playing video games or watching TV. It's always work for me. So that's like, I have to kill the temptation. And then for like nutrition, I feel like eat more vegetables, eat more good meats, like eat less ice cream, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. Maybe have a little less Starbucks per day, get at least two of this big bottle of water per day that I have, like lift weights three times a week, do cardio twice a week, do yoga once a week once I move, always do my push-ups and sit-ups in the morning, meditate every day, uh, and all my showers cold because there's some like, some cold water benefits you get from that. And uh, so I, I was just like, you don't have to copy my list here, but I would encourage you to, if you have a problem, like I'm lethargic every single day or something like that, sit down and kind of make a list of all the different points that affect your health, sleep, nutrition, hydration, maybe hygiene, exercise, other things like that. And then ask yourself like, how am I doing in each of these areas? Yeah. And if one of them is you know, a little slipping, then you need to come up with a plan for fixing that. And that's probably going to help with whatever the, you know, the root problem is or the surface problem. Sorry. The root problem is the health. The surface oh, problem yeah. is the lethargy. Yeah. Anyway, second question here, uh, regarding the Feynman technique, how can I apply the Feynman technique for things other than methods, theorems, and rules, such as an upcoming biology test? So for the, those of you who don't know what the Feynman technique is, I did a video recently on my channel, which is all about this thing called the Feynman technique. Um, now, I don't know where this came from. I don't know if Richard Feynman himself came up with this. The place that I first heard about it was from a guy named Scott Young. He has a like a PDF on his website that talks about it and a video. So I was just like, that's a cool technique. I want to share it. I'm not sure where it came from, but that's where I heard about it from. And basically, the Feynman technique is utilizing the principle that if you can teach something to somebody else and put it in simple language, then you will learn it better because by putting something in a simplified form, you not only identify where your knowledge of that concept is strong, but you also pinpoint exactly where you don't really know what you're talking about or where your your knowledge is a little bit shaky or you have to resort to using complex terms and convoluted ways of saying things. So the way you can do this, uh, if you don't have a person nearby who's willing to deal with you explaining whatever you're learning to them, it, you know, glottal stops and frigatives yeah. is you can just take a piece of paper out, you can write that concept at the top, and then in your own language, you can explain it, maybe do an example, and then ask yourself like, all right, what would maybe like, a, what would a kid say, you know, look at like any, maybe a term you used, you point at that and be like, all right, what is, what would a kid say? Well, why does that work? Or what does that mean? And then challenge yourself to define it even more simply. And that's really useful. Now, I think you can use this in almost any area. Um, for any complex topic. Now I've had people ask me like, how would I use this for vocabulary terms? Yeah, or I've like seen, studying language. History. And I'm not exactly sure if like the Feynman technique is the right tool to use if you're trying to like memorize a foreign language vocabulary list or something. Like for that, those are facts. And maybe you wanna use spaced repetition and flashcards. The Feynman technique really shines when you're trying to explain a concept or when you're trying to use a technique or something like that. Yeah. You know, but for biology, 
there's a ton of uh, applications there. Like, you know, if you've got to explain how the bones in the hand connect, or if you've got to ex- uh, explain um, mitosis and, and what's the other one, meiosis, I think. Yeah, I'm not a biology student. I don't know. Didn't you take ninth grade biology, bro? Yeah, I was in ninth grade. I'm like a thousand years old. I don't yeah. remember that. Meiosis and mitosis. I'm a, a three thousand no, no, year old demon. No, wait, no. Mitosis and me. Yeah, meiosis. I just spelled it wrong. Um, osmosis Jones. Osmosis. Yeah, That's you got to explain osmosis Jones and stuff like that. You can use the Feynman technique. I just, you know, I think a lot of this is going to come down to like you explaining it in terms of what your teacher wants or. I don't know. Like, I guess we can't tell you exactly what to do because I don't know the exact uh, concepts you're working with. For this particular test and stuff, I don't know. But I guess what I can say in a general sense is if you have a complex concept of any sort, you can probably use this. And maybe a good way to get started would be to either look at a study guide you have or sit down, take the concept and ask yourself, what may be asked of you or what questions come to mind? Because if you have these priming questions, then you can start to build off of those in making an explanation or working through an example or defining a term more clearly. Yeah. Anything from like like language study comes to mind for you? Well, I wouldn't I don't think that works for vocabulary, but it could easily work for something like a grammar rule or an exception to a grammar rule, mm-hmm. like the differences between ser and a star in Spanish. That's a pretty complicated thing, but if you could explain it in like a blog post or or you're teaching somebody specifically, then that would help you. So yeah. it can work for anything, I think. It just isn't a memorization technique. And you've, I mean, you've basically been doing something similar to this recently because you've been teaching English, right? Yes. I so have you noticed English. that like your grasp on the, uh, you know, the individual grammar rules and other rules of English has increased? Yes. My grasp on how obnoxious English spelling is has increased. <laughs> That's just because we steal really words from to, other, other languages. That's to explain. And it's, and it's confusing that we have like this special vowel that we use when we don't put stress on something. So when you say octopus... That middle vowel, the middle O, is just uh, octopus. It's really short. If you replaced it with any one of our vowels, we'd still pronounce it octopus. And that's a really confusing oh, thing. That is weird. Yeah, There's I never thought about it, that. But I'm not using big fancy words because that defeats the point of what we're talking about right now. No, but now I want to know what's the name but for it's, it. Well, it's like a schwa or something. That's what you call that oh, vowel. We use schwa. it when we use it in unstressed syllables, but it's okay. really confusing. And trying to teach these things to somebody who didn't grow up speaking English is kind of opening my eyes to some of the stuff. Yeah, we take a lot for granted. Being a native speaker of a language, fun fact, it does not make you an expert in teaching that language. It does not qualify you to teach the language by itself. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember when I was in college, um, some people would ask, like, why do you have to go be an education major to teach a subject? Why don't you just major in math or major in English? Yeah, teaching can't is you just different go teach than it? being smart at something. It's an entirely different thing you have to learn how to do. Mm-hmm. That book that I think we both read it, uh, Pragmatic Thinking and Learning. Yeah, yeah, I read that. It talks about the expert paradox where when you have somebody who's an expert, they actually can be worse teachers than somebody who's maybe like an intermediate or even an advanced beginner because the people who are uh, not as far along in their skill development journey, they remember all the details about the building blocks of that skill. Whereas the expert, they don't remember, you know, they make a lot of assumptions because it's become second nature to them. And this happened, like Anna listened to our episode on how to start a a YouTube channel 
and she came to me later and she's like, that episode didn't really help me in a lot of areas because you glossed over things I didn't know how to do. And whoops, because I've been doing this so long, like there's a lot of things I just wouldn't even think to talk about because they're so easy. Yeah. For me, at least, you know. So, yeah, you definitely have to think about that. And I think that's why the Feynman technique is so powerful, because it forces you to think, uh, how do you, how would I communicate this to somebody who is a complete yeah. beginner? They didn't in know the all the fancy words. They didn't know the theorems already. And you had to explain it from scratch. Yeah, exactly. All right. So we got one more question before we wrap this episode up. And that question is, uh, I've been getting into Google Calendar recently and I'm scheduling all my daily tasks in it. How much time should I use as a buffer between events for travel times or other unexpected things? It's like 10 minutes enough. Or would you leave more time, especially between study sessions where sometimes I want to finish a topic before moving on to the next one? I think I usually just build the buffer time into my event on the calendar. Yeah. But I will say like, I haven't, I haven't like used Google calendar specifically to schedule out my day in quite a while. I used to do it when I was a student, but now what I'll do is if I time box, I do it on paper and I will build slots in for transit time or something like that. And I also pay attention to how long it takes me to actually finish a task versus what my planned out block said I would do. And I'll use that data to better plan in the future. Yeah. So if I think this will take me an hour to do, maybe write this article and it takes me half or an hour and a half. Well, the next time I write an article, I'll know, all right, it's probably going to take me an hour and a half based on historical data. So I'm blocking out an hour and a half. And if I have to go somewhere, maybe if I'm at the coffee shop and I know I need to get back here for a podcast interview, there's like a hard stop. It's like 20 minutes before the interview starts. I have to leave and not be in the car. I mean, actually leave. Actually, I think that's that's another good thing to note. Like I used to think of transit time only as the in the car time. So I would leave, like say it takes five minutes to drive somewhere. Well, I would start getting ready to leave five minutes before. Oh, not yeah, realizing it, work. it takes five minutes to get up, maybe go use the bathroom, put your coat on, pack your bag, go get in the car. Like all those things actually add up to an extra five minutes. So now you're five minutes late. Yeah. So I think as you practice and as you deliberately um, pay attention to things like that, you're going to start to more intuitively be able to plan for things like transit time and like getting ready time, stuff like that. So yeah, uh, I would say try things out yourself, you know, see what works for you. But for what, what has been working for me is to actually build in blocks of time that say like transit time, get ready, you know, stuff like that. And then for to the second question, like if I want to leave time that may like, you know, spill into another session to for finishing up the previous thing. I just pay attention to how long I usually take on a thing like that. And then I will block out that much time or I'll just add a fudge ratio to my estimate. So this will take two hours. Mm, no, it'll probably take two and a half. That kind of thing. Yeah, I, I tend to do that. Like in a situation of doubt, I just round up to like the nearest half hour because if I plan a little bit, little fewer things and I get them done, I'm going to feel better than if I tried to cram everything in there and I feel behind all day. So, yeah. Well, it looks like we're under time on what? this one. Yeah, I know. Ridiculous. It almost never happens. Ridiculous. But yeah, well, my because uh, of all that energy, we knew how to answer those questions. Because that's we true. Went for a walk. We were fired up. Yeah. yeah. Go for a walk. Maybe you're already going for a walk. 
I don't know. I usually oh, listen to podcasts podcast, on a walk, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You could be going for a walk right now. If so, good job. You could be. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe you were listening to it in your headphones, and during the episode, you were like, you're right, I'm going to go take a walk, in which case, nice. Ooh. Two thumbs up. That'd be pretty good. Yeah. Quick action taking. I like that. Respect that. All right. So show notes for this episode, where you can find anything we said we linked to, anything we referenced, will be found over at CIGpodcast.com slash 150. Yep, this is big episode 150. Um, You will also eventually be able to listen to this episode on YouTube if you happen to want to. And uh, we'll have a link to the brand new, as of this recording at least, uh, College Info Geek podcast YouTube channel in those show notes. You can subscribe to that channel if you want to, or you can just keep listening to the podcast and whatever audio player you happen to use. So thanks so much for listening, and we will see you in next week's episode. Stay cute.